It's car con carne. Happy Monday. It is Car Con Carne, still held in quarantine. Quarantine Con Carne, sponsored by C&H Financial Services. As business owners continue to open back up to serve their communities, they're faced with a lot of challenges as they navigate through this new normal brought on by the coronavirus. C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products, ranging from traditional merchant accounts to zero-cost payment processing solutions, which eliminate the expenses associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. C&H Financial Services eTab solution is easy to set up for your business if you want to do online ordering or curbside pickup. C&H also offers cost-effective commercial lending programs, which can help get your business the money it needs to make it through these goofy times. To learn more, contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to www.chfs.us. My guest tonight, it's a very special day. He is Kevin Canchola. He is the Midwest Ambassador of Glenfinnick Scotch. And on this wonderful event, I want to wish you a happy National Scotch Day. Cheers. Happy National Scotch Day to you as well, James. Uh, in, in Scots Gaelic, they would say uh, uh but it's, it's a, a toast meaning to good health. So Slanjavah. I could have had you on any day, but National Scotch Day was really the important time to have you on. And I like you've got your, you've got your product placement ready to go. Let's start there. What, what do you have right in front of the camera? I mean, this is the uh, icing on the cake for me. Uh, you know, it's, it's about 8.30 p.m. here in Chicago. Uh, so it's the end of my National Scotch Day, and I wouldn't have it any other way than to go out with, you know, I'm actually going to let you decide when we get to that. But I have a, a 21 year, and I have the Grand Cru two phenomenal single malt scotches from Glen Fittick, the brand that I represent. And uh, that's just kind of my nightcap. And that's how I plan on ending my night tonight. <laughs> well played. And again, it's Glen Fittick. I think that let's just start there. The, the rookie move. It's not Glen Fittich, which we want to say in Chicago. We want to say Glen Fittich oh scotch. Gosh. Don't you know, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard it, it, it butchered so many times, but at the end of the day, the brand is a scotch from Scotland and the, the term Glenfiddich is Scots Gaelic, and we don't speak Scots Gaelic here in, in Chicago. I mean, I don't know if we really speak English here either, but it's definitely not Scots Gaelic. So I, I no Ill, Ill will towards anyone who mispronounces it, but you got it absolutely correct. It is Glenfiddich. So I can get myself uh, Glenfiddich when I go to the Jewels, right? When you go to the Jewels, yes. I'm going to Glenfiddich over there. Uh, so you're a Chicago guy. Is Chicago a Scotch town? hundred uh, percent. I mean, uh, I think we all were about five hours from Louisville. So uh, we all start with American whiskey. It's, it's really accessible. It's super easy to get to. Uh, and that's kind of how I got my start uh, in the industry, working in a whiskey bar here. And I started with American whiskey. And I think that anybody who, uh, you know, doesn't really likes to go on and continue to find depth and complexity will eventually stumble on a single malt scotch in one way or another. All right, I want to talk about single malt and explaining what, what is so attractive about that. But you, you mentioned your start. Was that three aces where you started? Oh, my gosh. Did somebody tell you that? Uh, yeah, I do research. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was a food runner at three aces. And, and uh, our shift drinks were a terrific price because we worked a hard shift and deserved them. But Old Crow whiskey was a dollar for everybody no matter what. So you definitely ended up a couple two tree at O's before you left the building. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I love that place. I went there for brunch once. I want to say I had a, a Killer Eggs Benedict 
like oh, five Everything years ago. The menu was great. The burger was phenomenal. Bolognese fries, great food, great drinks. So moving on from there, you tended bar a handful of Chicago places, right? Yeah, and uh, from there I went on because I was only running food there. Uh, I went on to the pump room when it was uh, Ian Schrager and Chef John George. Uh, so Chef John George from John George's New York, uh, a few other restaurants in New York. He came to Chicago with his first endeavor here. And Ian Schrager, who was responsible for Studio 54 once upon a time, he's the guy who didn't go to jail. Uh, <laughs> he's a famous hotelier. So they had their partnership here. And in true Chicago style, they wanted to create something that was inclusive. Uh, of all. So I learned a great deal about uh, cocktails there, food pairings, things like that. I did dabble in whiskey there, but it, uh, I left there and went on to another hotel, the Dana Hotel. Um, and I became a manager there. And that's when I was privy to, you know, any education I wanted. People were pursuing me. They wanted to get on my menu. So they would seek me out. And it, believe it or not, it got better when I went on to Drum Bar at the Raffaello Hotel because Drum Bar had just been, become a top 10 whiskey bar in the nation, according to GQ magazine. Um, and everybody wanted to be on our menu. So I could have any whiskey, whether it be single malt, blended scotch, American whiskey, bourbon, or rye, whenever I wanted. So yeah, I mean, I, I had all this whiskey in front of me and I kept thinking to myself, you know, this is great. American whiskey is great. I love it. But there are a ton of similarities um, and there weren't so many nuances. I was finding. So uh, I stumbled on a single malt scotch. Of course, it was through a tasting while I was at Drum Bar. And it was a light bulb moment for me, honestly, my, for my palate, because, you know, it was, it was an eruption of flavor. True story, my first tasting was an actual Glenfiddich tasting. Um, and I'm not just saying that I've worked for other single malt companies. And I love other single malts as well, but it was my first tasting. Um, and they kind of reeled me in right there. It was, it was a ton of flavor, and I absolutely loved it. Well, let's, let's, let's go from there. Single malt. Define single malt. Yeah, it's all in the name and it's super simple. People tend to overcomplicate it like everything else, but it's, it's single. Um, so it's coming from one distillery. So when we talk about some of our more complex whiskeys, we like to tell you, hey, you know, this whiskey's been aged next bourbon cast, but then we finish it in a sparkling wine cast like this bottle right here. And people say, well, isn't that a blend? And as long as all the juice, all the liquid comes from one distillery, it's single. Malt is really important because most American whiskeys until recently were not made from malted grain at all. Your corn wasn't malted, your, your rye, your wheat wasn't malted. Now, Americans are kind of, you know, starting to do this process and they're making some really, really good American single malts, but that's a brand new category. So malted is a, is a whole other step to whiskey making that is traditional uh, with throughout Scotch's entire history. Um, so single malt Scotch, and Scotch just means, hey, it's whiskey, it's from Scotland. There, there it is. So you discovered it, you discovered this flavor explosion with, with, with single malt. What is it about Glenfiddich that you like so much? Glenfiddich is so versatile. So for one, when I was not working for Glenfiddich, I was working for another Scotch company and I was hearing the things you'd go to Scotland and you talk, you know, you go to Speyside and you talk about who were the, the big kids on the block. And, and it was always Glenfiddich and you're always happy to talk about Glenfiddich. But one thing, I can't tell you who it was, but uh, a certain gentleman who was running a very prominent distillery said, you know, I wish we ran our distillery like Glenfiddich. They have more whiskey stocks than anyone else on the planet. And I took a moment to think about what that means. And what that really means is that if our master distiller, Brian Kinsman, if he goes to sleep one night and has a dream 
about a crazy whiskey, he has the ability to wake up the next day and, and seek that out and make that happen and make it a reality because they have so much whiskey stock. He can have experiments for days. And I absolutely love that. And the experiments that he's made over the years, this being probably one of the newest ones, this is a pretty new one as well. They're all brilliant expressions and the flavor never ends. Again, why I love single malt scotch. All right, let's talk about what's what those two bottles are in front of you because part of the appeal is certainly the packaging. It's a very inviting looking bottle in both cases. Let's start with the one on, the triangular on your left. We're the only ones to do that. We'll walk you through it a little bit. So Glenfiddich and Scott Skelly, there's a lot of Glens out there, right? And it can be confusing for everyone, but a Glen is actually an English term. It simply means valley. We just don't say Glen anymore. Right. We just don't really say valley in the Midwest either because there aren't many valleys here. Uh, maybe Hidden, Hidden Valley Ranch for uh, for some pizza, but that's another <laughs> that's right. conversation, right? <laughs> the, the so, San Fernando uh, Glen. San Fernando Glen, exactly. Yeah. So uh, the, the, this is a valley here, and Fiddick simply means deer, valley of the deer. Uh, you know, didn't, they weren't mad scientists, so to speak, uh, when they were creating these terms. They just called it what they saw around them. So Glenfiddich truly is valley of the deer. And the two bottles I have in front of me are the Grand Cru. Um, for those who uh, drink champagne, they know uh, that Cru is a very important term to a very specific uh, region of sparkling wine. And then we also have the Glenfiddich 21, which is a rum cask finish. So Glenfiddich uh, typically finishes their whiskey for up to six months. It might go a bit longer, but throughout our entire core range, it will most likely go to six months. That's another thing that I truly love and respect about this whiskey. You have other uh, single malt brands that are finishing their whiskeys for two or three years, um, which is almost, almost contradictory to single malt scotch. Uh, oak is very important to us but we understand how powerful it is. So it's almost in some cases, especially the finishing process, I find that less is more. You know, when you're finishing a whiskey in a specific cask, you're gonna get a lot of influence. For instance, a rum cask or a sparkling wine cask, you're gonna get a ton of influence from that. And at the end of the day, you still wanna make a single malt scotch. You don't wanna make a rum and you don't wanna make a sparkling wine. So you want a subtle influence. It's almost like uh, the finishing salts on a dish. But, so it sounds like comparing the, the rum and the champagne, both would add a, a sweetening something to the scotch, but it, it, different types of sweetening. sweetening. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And, and again, it would depend on the whiskey as well, because you do have some overproof whiskeys. You tend to find them more in American whiskeys. And I used to joke around that American whiskeys are out to just hurt your palate, uh, which is totally <laughs> true. It's kind of a little jab at them. And I love my overproof whiskeys. But the truth about lower ABV whiskeys, for instance, Glenfiddich is predominantly 40%, almost all the way through. Um, you can't hide flavor uh, in a lower ABV whiskey. It's gonna shine through. So if you have a good whiskey, great. If you have a bad whiskey, it, you can't mask that with anything. Um, so that's what I love about the lower ABV. So yes, you're right, with a, with a rum cast uh, or a sparkling wine cast, you're gonna get some sweetening and, and depth of flavor uh, components in there. But very different kinds. 1000%. And again, it's not just geographically, but that is a big part of it, right? Uh, you know, you're going to a Caribbean uh, rum cask, you're going to get a completely different flavor. And then if you were to source these um, barrels where I can't say specifically where we got them, but let's say somewhere in Europe that makes a ton of sparkling wine, uh, that's going to be different climate, different region, different oak, and a ton of different flavor. Is it tough? I, I know the answer to the question before I ask it, but is it tough not being able to 
do your ambassadorly duties right now, not fly off to the, the mothership in, in Scotland, not be able to turn people onto this stuff around the country? You know, it's, 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 it's extremely tough because I a, have not been to Scotland because I started, believe it or not, with Glenfiddich in March. So oh my gosh. What a whirlwind that's been. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I've been- so they, they, probably, they probably just sent you a, a, a case of scotch and said, uh, here you are, we'll be in touch, don't go anywhere. You know what, it wasn't too far off from that. Um, and I don't know if you can see, I, I've got an array of, of Glenfiddich here on my shelves. And uh, it's just kind of like, okay, do your R&D. And thankfully enough, I've worked in this industry as an ambassador for other brands for five years. Um, and Glenfiddich has never been too far away from my palate. But it's been, it's been as, they've made it as great as they can be, as it can be for me right now. But I'm still dying to get to Scotland. I dream about it once or twice a week. And uh, as far as not seeing people, sheesh, man. I, I, I tell you, I'm a bit like Tinkerbell. You know, if you don't get attention, you die. I, I, need, the, <laughs> I need human interaction, not so much the attention, but... I need human interaction, the embrace, a toast, you know, turning someone on to a new whiskey face to face for the first time. There's not uh, anything quite like that. And I totally get it. I mean, my job, I like turning people on to music and, and it, it, different sort of thing, but it, there is a thrill to being, being able to kind of get that light bulb going in someone like, oh, I get this. I love 100%. this. Thank you. You know, my, my father and I, he was the authoritarian, you know, true Southside family. Mom, let me get away with everything dad, you know, grounded me, I'm in trouble. You, you start to sweat when he comes home. But we truly, truly bonded around the time I turned 18, when he started taking me to rock school. And this was basically him just playing records for me in the living room on a Friday night, not allowing me to go out for weeks on end until I learned all of his favorite bands. Give me give me a for instance. All right, so I'll give you his top three. And one of them I have tattooed on my leg. Uh, Rush. Thin Lizzy and Judas Priest. Those are some dad bands, but I love Rush. Yes, we went to see Rush together. I took him. We share a birthday coming up August 13th. Uh, and once upon a time, I took him and I've never heard my dad yell uh, out of happiness. <laughs> and uh, I definitely heard him cheering that night. He's a, he's a drummer and he's a Neil Peart fanatic. Oh, for sure. And the great thing about going to see Rush, you get your money's worth. They played, they played for like six hours. Every time. And you never, there's never... There's no lack of enthusiasm, no laziness. They're going to play perfectly every time. It's brilliant. Exactly right. Well, thinking about being in and around the Chicago hospitality industry as long as you have, how are things going? I mean, you have context throughout the business. This is such a weird, crappy, unprecedented time. How, how is the industry holding up? How are, how are the people in your, in your contact list doing? It's a, it's a tough time for everybody in the industry period. Uh, it's, I, I can't say that enough. I think everyone needs to take a minute and think about that. It's a very, very hard and tough time right now. There are people who still haven't seen uh, a dime of their unemployment. In fact, a good friend of mine and chef who lives down the street, uh, who worked for a very prominent group. He was a head chef for one of their top tier restaurants. Um, and he did not see anything. And it's not their fault. You know, obviously it's not, anyone's fault really it's just a problematic time right now he didn't see anything until about two weeks ago so it's a tough time for everyone it's a tough time I, I can't even say it's a tough time for me because you know thankful for my lucky stars I work for you know a family-run company who understands what this is a tough time for everyone and make sure that I have work to do but for the industry in general if they are able to work it's a scary time 
Um, and if they're unable to work, it's a scary time because they're not getting money. And I mean, I can't say that enough. It's a, it's a tough time right now. Totally agree. How does Chicago stack up with other markets that you travel to as a, re- as a restaurant city? Oh, oh my God. So I lived in Miami for a year. Um, so when learning about, you know, your podcast and, and what you did, I would die to get that food tour. I couldn't get a beef sandwich to save my life. <laughs> Chicago dog, some tavern style, thin crust, cheese and sausage pizza. And I, I live in Pilsen, so I'm half Latino. So tacos and uh, carnitas and all just Latin food for days. I think Chicago is a huge food town. I, I'm, I'm as humble as it gets until it comes to me talking about my city because uh, we're a terrific food town. All right. So back to National Scotch Day. Uh, are we going to watch you drink something? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> you live vicariously. Uh, hey, pour, pour yourself a drink. Let's I, I truly wish that we could be enjoying a dram together, and, and I promise that that'll happen one day in the future. But uh, I'll let you go ahead and pick. What do you What do you think? Should I go ahead and do the 21 or the Grand Cru? Uh, the 21 sounds really exciting to me. Cheers. And the, <laughs> this, this is where we're at. Life under COVID-19. Just uh, pull up a video and watch someone drink for you. <laughs> Do you remember those old uh, Chili's commercials where they were, let's say it was like smell vision and you could scratch the TV? That, that, we're just going to watch you drink scotch. It. This is kind of how we're doing it here. Let me tell you that it's like, it's a bouquet of fresh fruit on the nose. Tons of fruit notes. Vanilla notes are going to be prominent in any brown spirit. I like to tell people that whether you're a beginning amateur novice whiskey drinker, if you're in a room full of whiskey drinkers and they're asking people for tasty notes or you get picked on the spot and you're nervous, if it's a brown spirit, you can say vanilla and you're going to be right 100% <laughs> of the time. So just, pro just, tip. just start there. If you want to get a little more advanced, if it's American oak, you can say cherry and you can say coconut because those are most likely going to be part of it. Um, I love that. But the fruit here, the fruit typically takes me back to the Midwest. I get a lot of Midwestern fruit. I get a lot of, uh, I get cherries, apples. And that's because of my time as a kid uh, on Michigan farms, uh, because I had a cousin who lived up there. And I remember walking through cherry orchards, through apple orchards. And I remember what that smells like. I remember it like it was yesterday. And there's a lot of good whiskeys out there that have similar smells. We're drinking at 21 years. So people who are afraid of scotch, the number one misnomer is that they're all smoky. And that's 100% untrue. There's a very tiny little region called Isla. And that's where 90% of the smoky whiskeys come from. We are from Speyside, which I made up a false statistic when I said, well, 90% of smoky whiskeys, but Speyside truly has roughly 50% of all scotch in general. And it's one town. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Bayside <laughs> um, are known for having, you know, grassy, earthy notes, um, fruit notes, um, really bright citrus flavors uh, to begin with. So you're going to find that in a Bayside. Um, but no smoke unless we purposely do that. And we only really did that recently with the Fire and Cane release. So no smoke in here. I'd say this is a beautiful fruit bomb. And 21-year-old scotch, you're really, alcohol burn is something that we all live with. It's going to happen with everything you drink. It's almost non-existent in this whiskey. Wow. Yeah. Sold. <laughs> Sold, Kevin. All Dude, right, I'm so drama this for you at some point. I promise you that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Kevin, Kevin Cancholi, you are the ambassador for Glenfiddich, the Midwest ambassador. Thank you for sharing some of your National Scotch Day with us. I know it's an important day for you. Actually, it's an important day for all of us. Let's be honest. I agree. All right. Cheers. So I'm going to I'm going to stop the Facebook Live. Thank you very much for doing this. My pleasure.